Welcome to Framework Leadership, a podcast about principles and ideas you can use today to help your leadership you know, get to the next level. We are now exclusively a part of the SCU Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kent Engel, president of Southeastern University, and I'm excited today to introduce our co-host for today's show, Lyle Phillips. Lyle pastors, uh, along with his wife, Allison, our lead pastors at Legacy Nashville Church in Nashville, Tennessee. Lyle, wow, it's great to uh, host you on the podcast today. Thank you, sir. It's my honor. And you're going to be speaking in Exposure, which is our, our week here on campus where we focus a lot on Wow, loving the world, um, you know, our passion, our care uh, for uh, for kingdom life and what that's all about. And just yes. so, so blessed that you're going to be a part of that and be a great encouragement to, to our students. You know, in today's conversation, I, I want to focus on this, what, what we would call that divine mandate to action. Um, and as Christ followers, I mean, we all have that unique destiny. There's no doubt about it that God has in store for our lives. I mean, that's why we love Ephesians 2.10. You are a masterpiece created yes. in Christ Jesus to do amazing things. Yes. And when you think about it, uh, when did that happen? Before we even took our first breath, God mm-hmm. already designed our day. So when you realize, wow, there is a destiny on on my life, it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, and, and discovering that call, though, for a lot of people is not easy. You know, how do you figure that out? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and in fact, there are many people who probably feel like, you know, a ship that's endlessly, you know, drifting at sea, you know, trying to no direction or no intention. And I, I want us to really, in our conversation today, break that stigma and really kind of um, encourage those that are listening. How, how can you get a hold of that design? How can you get a hold of that that call? And, and, and again, we use the phrase around here, divine design, and Mm. And I know that college students especially find themselves in a predicament of discerning the what is that call? You know, when does that happen? How does it happen behind all of it? And and whether it's in the vein of, of uh, they're going to go into practical ministry or they're going to go into missions or they're going to go out in the business field or education or whatever it is, what would you say is really the start to uncovering that unique design, that call that God uh, does place on our lives? Well, I love this question so much. And maybe my response is a bit unorthodox because I'm going to give you a Kentucky phrase. It starts with discovering what really burns your biscuits. Yeah, I love that. That's what my grandmother would say to me, what really burns your biscuits. And I know John Maxwell said that vision begins with a burden. And so I've always thought about, hey, this is how I start. What bothers me and agitates me to no end that I cannot sleep easy knowing that this is happening in my world, on my watch. I have to do something about that because... That's intolerable. Right. So I encourage a lot of young people to ask them, ask themselves that question. What just gets under your skin? Because chances are God has put some grace on your life to do something about that situation. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, you you look at this and you go, man, I've got to be a solution to that. I got to jump in, yes, sir, and get get involved to that. At, at Southeastern, you know, it is our our uh, our mission to equip students again to discover and develop their divine design. Why? So that they can go out and they can serve Jesus. They can serve the world through spirit empowered life um, and learning and leadership. <coughs> Excuse me. Whether it's through studying to become a pastor or training to be a healthcare provider or pursuing a career in communications, there's so many different routes that people can 
can take. Lyle, I know that you begin to step into your college or calling about the age of what, 22? And, and by, by going into, I guess, a, mis- a mission field, if you will. And, and I want to hear about that step of sure. faith. How did you know that, wow, this is what God has mm. you know, designed for you? Sure. Uh, and how did you know when the right timing you know, sure. to step into that? Yes, sir. Well, you know, I feel like I sort of fumbled into a lot of it. You know, you said divine design, and I'm like, man, so much has been divine coincidence, you know, I think for me. But I got saved really at 21. And when I got saved, like, I really got saved. Like, Mm -hmm. I was all in, praying, fasting, reading the Bible every week, and just going after God. I was so hungry to see the things of the Spirit come alive in my life. And around that time... See, I was kind of watching some videos, conferences, sermons. This was before podcasts were popular. Mm. I'm 36 now. And somebody invited me to come speak at a youth meeting, and they'd heard about my testimony. And I saw on the shelf there was an old VHS tape of an Awakened Deborah women's conference that was in Brownsville, Pensacola, Florida, featuring Heidi Baker. So if you're familiar with Mama Heidi, I found this VHS tape, and I'd heard about her through a friend. So I said, hey, could I borrow that? The pastor said, I don't even know who that is. (laughs) That was left here by the pastor before me, so you can have it. Wow. So as a 22-year-old single man, I rewatched an old VHS women's conference over and over again for about two weeks. And I saw this lady, as she would say, is a laid-down lover of Jesus. You know, she's, I just want to give my life. I'll be martyred for the cause of Christ. And I thought that was so inspirational and impartational. I said, I want to live my life like that. I want to give my life for the gospel. I want to love the world in such a way that I'll be martyred for the people God calls me to serve. So that's how really I got my start. And I actually ended up moving to Mozambique, Africa to begin. And I joined uh, Heidi and Roland's ministry, Iris Global, and served there for about two years as part of their Harvest School staff eventually after being a student. And so really that's how I got my start. That's how I got exposure uh, to missions. Tell us about that ministry. What what did you do with Iris Global? Sure. Well, for the most part, I staffed um, what they call Harvest School, which is basically missionary training. Okay. But in between two of the schools, I started my own NGO organization. I had no idea what I was doing. I simply felt that I had a word from the Lord to help Iris cover and feed and rescue 100,000 orphan children. Wow. So at 22, 23, I started this organization called Mercy 29. And the whole goal of the organization was simply to serve Iris. Mm. I just didn't have relationship yet. So I thought, well, um, I don't even know if they're going to let me join their team. So I'll just start my own organization and raise money to feed their kids. Yeah, yeah. So that's how I got my start. And then when I went over... Uh, Of course, I staffed the school, but then I also helped to care for 13 semi-orphan kids and their disabled grandmothers in a village called Noviani. And that's really where I got my start, just hanging with those kids every day, bringing them breakfast over, hanging with those grandmothers every day, just loving on them, and then at the same time serving their school. Yeah. What prompted you to care for these kids? I mean... I guess it goes back that that something was burning that in your your heart. But what what really compelled you to man? I want to take them on and yeah. really love them. 
Yeah. Well, I, you know, honestly, I'd always felt something in my heart about fatherhood. Mm. And I always wanted to be a father to children that didn't have one. And Mercy 29 comes from Job chapter 29. Verse 15 says, I am eyes to the blind, feet to the lame, and father to the needy. So I met this little girl. Her name is Zina. I'm still connected to her today. She's 18 now. She just finished YWAM in South Africa. I met her at this little restaurant that we called the Chicken Shack. And you could buy a quarter chicken and some french fries for like a dollar 25. Wow. And one day I was skipping school to go get me a quarter chicken and some french fries and this little girl was peering through the window and I asked if she wanted a cookie. And she came in Gave her a cookie, then I bought her some chicken, started to get to know her well. She was learning English. She introduced me to her grandmother, took me on a tour through the village. And it was really just my relationship with that one little girl that kicked open the door for me to care for the 13 and really kicked open the door for God to, you know, inspire me, I believe, to eventually move on to India and look after hundreds of kids. Yeah, wow. What advice would you uh, give students who maybe feel like they haven't discovered something to be passionate about mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Well, I remember saying a lot then, if you don't, if you won't spill your blood for your passion, you don't know what it is yet. Mm. Like you have to be willing to lay your life down. And I think we're, we're seeing a generation now that's not just looking for something to live for. They're looking for something to die for. They're looking for something to give their life to completely. And if they don't know what it is yet, I'm going to use the title of this conference, Exposure. Mm. Get around leaders, get around mentors, get around pioneers, people uh, that know what they're passion is and expose yourself to it to see how the Spirit of God moves on your heart and how He might lead you to get involved in what they're doing. I think that's a great start. It's, it's, you know, just stepping in and jumping in and just say, hey, maybe this works. And and maybe it doesn't. And you step in this, and you step, but but get out and try. That's yes, sir. that's the way you 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 discover. So so good. As you as you just mentioned, you found discovering your calling, and 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 you've been talking about how it got got you out there. I'm sure that you you've experienced some radical um, life changing experiences, uh, not only in Africa but but India. Tell us about some of those things in India that you've been a part of. That sure have been transformational. Sure. I would say that probably one of the most transformational moments of my life was actually being taken to an auction block where children were being auctioned off by their own parents to the highest bidder. That was something I saw with my own eyes. Um, Someone took us there. They said, we know where human trafficking is happening and we'd like to show you this, this place. And so, of course, we went didn't have any idea what we would be getting into, but we saw a mother bring her three and four-year-old daughters to be auctioned off in the middle of this village, in the middle of nowhere in India, in exchange for one year's worth of money to purchase alcohol. And so when we saw this happening, like our team there saw this happening, it was me and some Indian nationals. I would say that was probably one of the most pivotal moments of my entire life because I'd heard these stories, but now I was witnessing these these people. They're not just statistics. These are little kids, kids. a three- and a four-year-old little girl that's being auctioned off by their drunk mother. And I didn't know what to do. You know, I didn't have any training on how to rescue kids from human trafficking or child slavery or prostitution, but I did know that the gospel always works despite 
any right. circumstance you find yourself in. And so they saw me there, and I don't know why they let me do this, maybe just because I was white. But I just said, hey, can I stand up and say something? And they let me do it. And I got up and I shared the gospel. And I shared the passage of Scripture about if we, um, if we do harm to even a little one, it's better that a millstone be put around our neck and we're tossed into the sea. And then I just gave a, a salvation call. And a handful of the, the parents that were there to trade their children, they lifted their hand to receive Jesus. We told them about how they should treat kids. And then that's actually how we started one of our first children's homes by taking the kids that were going to be sold and trafficked and then putting them into a, uh, a local home with a local church pastor. Yeah. What, walk us through, why do, you, why do you think when you came on that scene, mm-hmm. how, how can people engage with that kind of thing? I mean, what, mm-hmm. is it just, I mean, what drives that? Mm-hmm. When, you, when you've been around it, you can see what, what causes that. Yeah. Well, I think just absolute depravity, one. I mean, mm. the abject poverty that exists in India is absolutely mind-blowing. One-third of the global poor live in India. When you think about how small India is in you know, relation to the rest of the world, you have over a billion people crammed into that one little spot. And one-third of the global poor live on less than $2 a day in the nation of India. So then they also have the, you know, their religious beliefs, which reincarnation is a sure. part of that. So right. if you are born poor, you're an untouchable, you're a Dalit person, that is your lot in life as a result of the previous life you lived. So there's no motivation to help the people. So obviously we have, we have uh, the depravity, the sin, we have the religion, but we also have the culture. It's just cultural. And people are without to such an extent that they are willing to literally take their own children and trade them um, in for their addictions. Yeah. You know, sometimes uh, in the church, people try to argue that, that all people need is to hear about Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, we have to declare the good news of the gospel. Yes, sir. That's, that's what brings life change. But, they, but then they go on and they say, and the church shouldn't try to solve social justice issues like that. And, mm-hmm. and, and how, how do you feel about that kind of <laughs> argument? What is the church's role in solving these crises? Yes. Well, as my spiritual mom, Heidi Baker, would say, love looks like something. Mm-hmm. And so if we're really purposed to love our neighbor as ourselves and that neighbor does not have a jacket and is cold, then we should give the jacket off our back to, to warm them. And I think we find that in the scriptures. Yes. We find that all throughout the, the passages of Jesus sharing right. what, it is, what it looks like to really fulfill the great commandment. And so people who are completely opposed to social work, um, I think just haven't been exposed uh, to the de- depravity that some people face on a day-to-day basis. Yes, we give them the gospel and we minister to their spirit. We start there. But love lo- also looks like ministering to their body, to yeah, their mind, right, to their right. soul. We give counseling. We help them with healing. We walk them through that. And we also help with children's homes and churches and clothing and education. Because we're not just there to see transformation happen for that one. It starts there. Right. But we want to see the whole nation be transformed. Yeah. And we know that takes just a little bit more than one sermon. Yeah, wow. Powerful conversation. We're going to take a, a quick commercial break. And here's a word from our sponsors. If you're a driven professional striving to expand your leadership and pack change at any level of your organization, Southeastern University's online master's degree in leadership is definitely for you. This program provides you the opportunity to learn in the context of entrepreneurship, nonprofit leadership, research, or organizational leadership. You can apply today at seu.edu slash apply. That's seu.edu slash apply. 
I, I do want to ask you, you know, you've transitioned away from the mission field and you've settled back in the States. I do, and you and your wife kind of started that mission expression that quickly turned into the church. Um, just what is the process of starting this, that, that expression in Nashville? Mm-hmm. And how has that affected what's been your passionate drive? Absolutely. Well, for me, my passion has always been very consistent in that it's people. You know, I think if you are getting into ministry for any other reason, aside from him and them, you got the wrong motivation. Yeah. So when we first went to Nashville, of course, I didn't know my wife then. So really, it was me and some friends. Okay. Okay. And I had no idea Nashville was not the city that needed, they didn't need any more churches, you know. So we started there as our, our big desire was to start a local church, but really to de- to develop a missionary deployment program because yeah. India is such a large place. So I thought, I got to figure out a pipeline, a leadership yeah. pipeline to develop people to take with me over to India. And then people knew that we were starting these, you know, living room worship nights on Sunday and started showing up. And within a few months, there was like 75 people in our living room. Wow. And it was that thing of like, sheep without a shepherd, we yeah. have to start something. And I didn't even want to be a local church pastor. But the longer we did that, the more I felt God calling me into a greater season of, of fathering. It's yeah. kind of the same thing. It's yeah. like, okay, now will you father these people? So I said yes. We planted our local church, which officially started in 2016. Met my wife a few years prior to that. And the rest is kind of history. We just celebrated wow. four years. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it's a, it's a big deal. I, I love the phrase you, you use, missionary deployment program. What goes into training yes. missionaries? Yes. Well, what, that, what's the important? Ooh, there's a lot there. Obviously, if you can get the Great Commission in them, mm. really, and their willingness to go and just get some simple strategies. You know, what did Jesus clearly lay out in the Great Commission? Number one, you got to go, yeah. which I love what Lauren Cunningham says. Go is just a change yeah. of location. Yep. Just go where God is calling you to go. I know some people translate that as, as you go, but it's really a double definition. It's both, you know. So go, what's next? Make disciples. How do you make a disciple? By baptizing them. We got that in the Great Commission. What's next? By teaching Teaching, them the commandments of Jesus. And I know a lot of people think like, well, what am I going to teach? Well, Jesus said right there, teach them my commandments. Unfortunately, we have a lot of people who don't know what the commandments of Jesus are. There's actually over 100 in the Gospels. So you don't need to have anything aside from your testimony and the commandments of Jesus, change of location, go love people till you can baptize them in water and spirit and develop an ongoing discipleship relationship with them by teaching them the commandments of Jesus. It's pretty simple, you know. We complicate it. (laughs) So much so. Uh, You know, people have sometimes um, accused missionaries of trying to push their cultural norms yes, sir. on 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 indigenous peoples. How do you train missionaries to love people by living the gospel while respecting the culture yes. that they're sharing in? Yes. Well, for me, I remember a missionary told me one time, he said, I'm already martyred for my people. Mm. So my mind in going to India was, these are my people. I'm going to take responsibility for them, and I've given my life to them. Now, I am not going to push a Western culture on them, because a Western culture is not the kingdom culture, despite what some missionaries may think or believe. And so what I always tried to do was be exactly like the people I was called to serve. 
And I think we see that in the life of Jesus. Right. He becomes a human right. being. He becomes like the people he's called to serve. Yeah. So I'm not going over there saying, okay, you guys eat with your hand. Here's a fork. I'm coming over saying, here's what the Bible says. Here's principles of the kingdom of Jesus. And I'm sharing those with you. I'm not fighting with you about the conflict and yeah. culture between America and, and India. I'm, I'm going to fight with you. I'm going to wrestle with you lovingly about the conflict and culture of the kingdom in India. Yeah. So you may, and they used to say that to me. Well, brother, that's not the Indian way. I said, but it's the kingdom way. Yeah. So that's that's what I think. You should always try to be like the people you're called to serve. That's that's what we called incarnational missions yeah, at Iris. Exactly. Uh, but always bring the kingdom because that's the superior reality. Yeah. And that's what Jesus did. He yes, became sir. One of us. Wow. Well, we're going to move into our fire round, and and as we do that to close out our conversation, I want to. I want to hit maybe four practical application points that I think our leadership uh, and those that are wanting to grow in this area can can take from from our conversation. And, and I, I want to focus these practical action steps um, directly on taking taking action. How do we take action mm. with uh, discovering what God is calling us to do? And 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 as you're talking, a couple couple came to my mind that I think. Um, I can take away, first of all, from this conversation, even though it may be difficult to understand, I think, all the details, um, don't doubt. Mm. Just step in. Yes. And God begins to confirm. I look at Acts chapter 16, and and you see Paul, he'll take a step of faith. And and it says in that chapter, the, the Holy Spirit said no, you know, said yeah. no, yeah. But, but he took a step of faith. And then it says he took another step of faith. Holy Spirit said no. Then he took another step of faith, and the Holy Spirit said yes. And and then he went to where he was supposed to go. But the fact is, don't doubt if you feel something or you sense something, take a step of faith yes, and, sir. And, and walk in that. Remember that God works all things together for those who love him mm-hmm. and are called according to his purpose. So I think don't lose heart. Just just yes, step sir. out. Well, what is another practical way maybe that you would say is an action step? I love what you're saying. You may not have everything you need to start, but you have everything you need to step out. You may not have, you know, all of it planned out from A to Z, but, you know, Psalms teaches us that he is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. I believe that the more steps you take, the more light you receive to know where you're going. So I might add to that by saying, if you don't know what your vision is yet, go serve somebody that has a vision you're inspired by. If you don't know where to go, if you don't know what to do, you chances are, you know, there is somebody out there that you follow. You watch their YouTube sermons or their videos or their podcast, or you see them on Instagram and you can go serve them. And I know some people say, well, I would, but I just don't know how or what to do. And I say, hey, what are they dreaming about? Go help them do that. And in the process of serving someone else's vision, I think God is faithful to give you your own. Yeah. And, and, And it's always great to see how God will confirm that. He'll use people. He'll use experiences. Amen. He'll use, you know. So, so that is that is so rich. Hey, uh, one final thing I do want to ask uh, as as we close it, close this out. What advice would you give to someone who may be later in their life, mm. um, and they feel like, but I've already missed the boat. 
you know, I've already missed it when it comes to really maybe what God wants to do with me. What would you say to them? Oh, goodness. I mean, if you're not dead, God's not done. You yeah. know, that's a good preacher phrase, I think, yeah. but it really is the truth. And I think that as we age and progress in such great wisdom, we're able to impart so much of what this next generation needs. Yeah. So I would say to somebody who feels like they've missed the boat, A, they are absolutely wrong, right? and they need to hear from God because He has invested gold into them, and this generation desperately needs it. So I would beg of them to get in a posture of prayer and listen to the heart's cry of those who are growing up in our country, in this generation right now, and decide to go all in and making an investment to make a difference in this next generation. We need what they have. So I would say, sir, ma'am, please make an investment in us. Yeah. That's good. So good, man. This has been a great conversation. So grateful that uh, God brought you here to oh, be a thank great you. It's my honor. encouragement uh, uh, to, our, to, to our entire community. And uh, I know that God's going to use you and continues to use you in a powerful way. So I want to thank you for joining me today on, on our Framework Leadership Podcast. I'm thankful for your insight on callings. And, and for all of our listeners, I hope that you've gained a better understanding of how to listen to God and discuss discovering exactly what he has for you because it's going to be an adventure and it's Amen. going to be your I mean once you step into that it, it you get this sense of satisfaction deep gladness in your heart and in your life wow I'm doing what God wants me to do and uh, whether you are following your calling already or struggling to find your divine design it's never too too late to put in your heart mind and spirit what God has for you uh, to stay connected uh, with Lyle Phillips you can follow him on social media. I think it's at Lyle B. Phillips. Yes, sir. And then check out his website, lylephillips.com, or check out the Legacy Nashville podcast. Hey, we'll see you next time on Framework Leadership. Framework Leadership.